I'd end up, had we had one on Sunday, uh, you would have heard Barbie speak, and that would have probably been a whole lot more fun than hearing me speak, but that's okay, because uh, I'm the senior pastor and I get to, anyway. Uh, <laughs> will, you, will you put the, uh, go, you can go ahead and put the, do what now? Oh, okay, it's happening. And she would have brought the traditional year-end message, and how many of you know what the traditional year-end message is? Read the Bible through, read the Word. Absolutely, that, that, that's what it is. And if you'd heard her bring it, you probably would have done it. But you're going to get me, and, and I'm going to actually preach two sermons today. I'm going to preach a little mini-sermon, and then I'll preach a, a larger mini-sermon after it. Uh, the first one, actually, I, I did. I said this with the guys um, on Tuesday morning at the gate, but I think most of them will be okay for, for uh, hearing this again. And for those of you who weren't there, you get to hear it now. Would you stand with me? We're going to start off reading a few passages of Scripture in Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. Let's read together. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warm, and keeping them there is great reward. Father, I pray that you would anoint what I'm going to say, and I pray that it would bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You would be seated. Uh, Now, you picked up on the fact that I didn't say January, but I said June. Uh, I wonder how much of this you kind of picked up on. You know, how many of you in the coming year think there might be some occasion in which your soul might need some reviving? You know, uh, or maybe you might need some some wisdom uh, for the simple, or maybe you'd like to have some joy for your heart. Yeah, or or maybe you will need some warning about situations, or maybe you'd like a great reward. You know, all of these things are things that come from reading the Word. Now, I want to show you a little uh, a little clip from a movie, and let me just uh, preface it by saying this. This is not a family-friendly movie, so I'm not necessarily endorsing it for everybody, but it does have possibly the greatest line ever delivered on screen. And so, and it ties in to what I'm getting ready to say. So it's a little bit dark, so we're going to need to bring the lights all the way down for this. And if you can do that, then we'll bring the lights down and the sound up, and away we'll go. Okay. real great compliment for you and it's true so afraid you're about to say something awful don't be pessimistic it's not your style okay here i go clearly a mistake i've got this what ailment My doctor, a shrink that I used to go to all the time, he 
says that in 50 or 60 percent of the cases, a pill really helps. I hate pills. Very dangerous thing, pills. Hate. I'm using the word hate here about pills. Hate. My compliment is that night when you came over and told me that you would never... Um. Um, all right, well, you were there. You know what you said. Well, my compliment to you is the next morning I started taking the pills. I don't quite get how that's a compliment for me. You make me want to be a better man. That's maybe the best compliment of my life. Two things, guys. One, remember that line. That will help you someday, okay? Two, when you look at your wife, when you look at your kids, remember that line. Do you look at them and they make you want to be a better man? If they do, the absolute only lead pipe cinch way I know of, of you becoming a better man is to become a man of the word. Don't search the word in order to prove something or prove a point. Let the word search you and change your heart and change your life. It it will, it will transform you into a better man. This is the 23rd year that I've been here at the beginning of the year. So for 23 years now, I've been saying, read the word, read the word, read the word. And there's probably been eight or 10 times, I don't know, maybe more than that. I hadn't really counted. I've had people come up to me toward the end of the next year and go, I did it. You know, I, you said to do it. I decided I was going to try and I did it and I, and I plugged in and, and I finished it. Wow, this is wonderful. And they've all been women. Not that there's anything wrong with women reading the Word. They need to. Yes. But my question is, where are the men? Where where are the men? I mean, come on, guys. Man up this year. Become a better man. Become a man of the Word. That's that's really where it is. Now, let me also say this. I, I know that reading the entire Bible through in a year can be pretty daunting uh, for people. And, and I've had plenty of guys who come up to me and gone, well, I started <laughs> and I got to Valentine's Day, you know, or, or the, maybe they even made it all the way to March, you know, and before I just got so far behind that I couldn't possibly, just couldn't possibly. Okay, okay l- let, me, let, me give, let me throw you another possibility out there. Okay, how about the New Testament? Read the New Testament this year. You can, you can, for less than 22 verses a day, you can read the entire New Testament this year. That means that if you will give God, if you'll give God 10 minutes of your day, you can read that portion of Scripture and have more time to think about it than it took you to read it. 
Say, well, what? Okay, where, where do you start? How do you start in Matthew? But, uh, and, and, you know, and you can just mark them off if you, if you want, you know, 22 at a click. But uh, there, there are some reading guides out at the Welcome Center. In fact, there's also some uh, uh, bookmarks that you can use to mark your place in your smartphone or your iPad uh, as, you're, as you're reading or whatever it is that you're, that you're using. They, they have bookmarks. And they have, yeah, or actually a book. And then there's, there's Bible reading plans. And I, if I'm not mistaken, the reading plan has an Old Testament and a New Testament section each day. Hey, there you go. So if, you, if, you, if the New Testament is all that you feel like you've got time for, just get that reading plan and read the New Testament part of it. Or you can go on. One of the things that I've purposed to do this year is I'm going to blog through the New Testament. So if you'll go on to the, the website, you can go onto the blog and you can... You can see what the passage is for that day. Or you can see what I thought about it and you can argue with me. You can, you know, there's all kinds of options of things you can do there. But uh, I just want to encourage you. Uh, man up, guys. Come on. Let's, let's be better, better men for the, those that, that God has placed in our lives. Okay? And for God himself. All right. Now, that was, that was mini sermon number one. Now we'll get into now we'll get into number two in in uh, 2011. We are going to oh yeah I meant to show you this yeah I just I, see I should look at this and, instead of looking at y'all all the time. Uh, notice how cool it looks to read the word. You know I mean it's not just oh you know old guys with gnarled hands sitting over under over a candle you know it's there's I mean that's. You can wear your shirt tail out and read the word. It's okay. All right. In 2011, we are going to be laser focused every Sunday on, uh, on Jesus. What he said, what he did, what others said about him, the encounters he had with people, uh, who he was. Actually, we did this in 2010. In fact, we've actually done this virtually every, every Sunday that, that we've been here. We we're going to do it next Sunday when the goofy thing happens. But we're going to be laser focused. Now there will be a. Uh, we're going to break it up into segments. We'll have we'll have series that we'll go through. We'll go through the greatest stories ever told. We'll go through uh, miracles. We'll go. None of the series will be over eight weeks long. Most of them will be three to four weeks long. But every every single one of them is going to be focused on Christ because our lives need to be focused on Christ this year. And and what I want to do is I want to I want to set it up here today by getting into. Possibly, well, my, one of my favorite passages about Christ in all of Scripture and kind of looking at just how important this guy is. I mean, seriously, and you may kind of go, that sounds trivial. You're almost trivializing it to say how important this guy is. No, we trivialize it. We don't know how important he is. We don't come close to knowing how important he is. And so we're going to kind of, we're going to kind of look at that today. Uh, and like I said, in, in the this whole last year, even though we've gone through the Old Testament a lot and looked at some of those characters, that was, about, that was about Christ as well. The scripture says over in John 1, 1 and 2, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. One of the titles that the Bible has for Jesus is the Word. He is the living Word of God. The Bible is the written Word of God. He is the living Word of God. And one of the things that, and some of you have heard me mention this before, but some of you hadn't, so it's worth mentioning again. One of the things that I found to be a, 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 
a very fruitful area of meditation is meditating on the fact that, okay, if Jesus is the word and the Bible is the word, then what's true about him should be true about it. And what's true about it should be true about him. And there's a whole bunch of different areas that you can, you can bring that out. Uh, over in Isaiah, uh, it says concerning the written word, it says that my word always performs everything that I send it back. It will not return to me void. It will, it will accomplish what I send it to do. Over in John chapter 17, when Jesus is praying, he says, I have finished all of the work that you gave me to do. I brought glory to you by completing everything that you gave me to do. It says in, in Psalm 119 that his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. It says in, in, in the Psalms that your word is, a, is established, fixed in the heavens, that it, that it never changes. It says of Jesus Christ in Hebrews that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So those are just, those are just a few things, just some kind of things to begin to, you know, get the wheel rolling that you can think about. But anytime you're looking in the word, anytime you're studying the word, I don't care if it's first Chronicles or, or if it's, if it's Matthew, anytime that you're looking at it, you're looking at Jesus. I mean, he's there. He's, he is all over it. Uh, and if you'll stand with me today, we're going to, we're going to read one more text together and then, uh. Then I'll jump into this and we'll, we'll go quickly. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You may be seated. He is the image of the invisible God. What does God look like? Well, most of us kind of have this image. Uh, old guy, long, long white beard, powerful, doing stuff, watching stuff, looking over things. Um, he also kind of looks like, a little bit like Morgan Freeman and uh, uh, Bruce Almighty. Uh, I, 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 actually, I actually like, like that. But if I had to pick out an actor to be God, that would be a good choice. Uh, some of you have read a book called The Shack. It may, in fact, a lot of you have probably read it. And in that book, a lot of people didn't really care for that book. And it, it's, it's a good book. I, I, don't, I don't have a big problem with it uh, theologically. At least I don't have the problem that a lot of people have. Uh, God was portrayed as a as as a as a overweight black woman and you know you're kind of going that's oh that's terrible no that's that's okay see physically god can look like anything he wants to look like i mean that's doesn't matter and i and i love it when i look at uh, at the art from different cultures you know and i and i see uh portrayals of of christ or portrayals of, of god himself and you know, and in Asian cultures, he looks Asian. In African cultures, he looks African. And in European cultures, he looks European. And I go, that's right. 
Yeah, they got it right. That's, 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 the, way that, that's the way that it actually is. He can, he can uh, be a, a bush on fire if, if he wants to be. What, whatever he wants to be, in a, as far as a physical representation is concerned, you know, you pretty much go with just about anything. Uh, but the mere physical appearance is way overrated, guys. I mean, it really is. I, I didn't understand that when I was like in my 20s. I thought it was pretty important. But now I've kind of come to the understanding that, you know, you say, well, that's easy for you to say. Your wife is gorgeous. You will tell her that I said that. <laughs> and, 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 and it's true. She is. But you, but you know what? That's not the part that makes living with her after 30 four years and, and, and going on 35 years, that's not the part that makes living with her meaningful and fruitful and fun. Yeah, it, it's not how she looks. It's who she is. Yeah. And with God, the physical is, eh, that's, that's, just a little, that's just a thing. It says over in Hebrews 1.3 that the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. If you want to know what God looks like, the only way to really find out what he looks like is to, is to look at Jesus. In John chapter 14, when Jesus was speaking to his disciples on the night that he was betrayed, he said to them, I'm getting ready to go away, guys. Don't worry about it. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And then I'll come and get you and take you to be with me where I am. And it's, it's okay. You know, you know the way to where I'm going. And, uh, and I think it was Thomas who said, well, we don't even know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, well, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then Philip just took the bait. He jumped, he jumped right on. He said, Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. That's, that's what we want to see. I mean, that's, that's why we've been hanging out. We want to see the Father. And, uh, you know, I can hear the heartbreak in Jesus's voice as he says to him, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, if anyone has seen me, he's seen the father. And so the way that you come to see God, the way that you come to know what God is like is you come to know what Jesus is like and who Jesus is. And the way, and you, and you may kind of go, well, hey, that was 2,000 years ago when he lived on this earth. I, you know, there aren't time machines. I can't get in it and go back. No, I'm not talking about, you know, seeing his physical being. I'm talking about seeing the essence of who he is. He is the word. And, and the word is where, is where you find out who he is and who God is because it's not a matter. We tend to think it's a matter of good cop, bad cop. You know, Jesus is is good cop. He's come in and he just loves us and just loves everybody. Come unto me and all this. And and God the Father's, you know, bad cop. He's the guy with the hammer who's looking at things. No, no, they are the same. They're one and the same. And, And what you saw from Jesus is what you would see from God. And Jesus wasn't always, you know, just a whole bunch of fun to be around. You know, there, it wasn't like Jesus walked into the room and everybody went, oh, he's here. You know, some people went, I got to get out of this place. 
And some uh, demonic activity started bubbling up inside of some people, you know, manifesting and things. And and others were kind of, kind of had nothing but complaints and bad things to say. And even if you were his friend, it wasn't always, it wasn't always, you know, cotton candy being around him. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily want to be Peter when Jesus goes, get behind me, Satan. You know, it's whoa, you know, uh, Jesus was just real. And God is real. He, he's, he's the most real you can imagine anything possibly being. It's what he is. <laughs> so he is the image of God. He is the firstborn over all of creation. Jesus is the only begotten son of God. And I'll get into that in just a minute when we, when we get down to that part. But before the material universe existed, Jesus was there and and, and as the word, he was the agent in creation. When God stepped out and said, light be, the word went forth. And Jesus is the word. He, he was the, the agent. It says, in fact, it goes on in John to say, uh, in First John, for by him all things were created. Uh, without him nothing was made that has been made. And what we read today, uh, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, throne, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Now, at this point, I could, uh, I could uh, go ahead and, and give some mind-boggling statistics about how big the universe is and, and everything in it. But uh, two things. First of all, I would suggest, if you're interested in that, that you either read the book or look at the um, uh, the video of... Uh, Rob Bell's sermon, Everything is Spiritual. Uh, a lot of, lot of numbers, a lot of statistics, big stuff and little bitty stuff and, and, and everything in between. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, also, I would say that, you know, when I hear astronomers and stuff talk about, you see that dot there? That looks like a star. That's really a, that's really a galaxy. And it's got billions of stars in it. I'm skeptical. I'm sorry. It looks like a dot. <laughs> and you know, when you say it has billions of stars in it, I, did you count them? Uh, I think they're making some of these numbers up, just, just to be very honest with you when you get right down to it. Uh, but the truth of the matter is that the, the things that we can see, and even if they aren't making you, it, it, you know, it doesn't matter. The, Christ created it all, whether there's a billion, whether there's a trillion, whether there's a billion trillion. Uh, or, you know there's not a number bigger than a trillion? Isn't there? Yeah, no, that's a made-up number. Now, I, no, I'm serious. I looked it up. I, I, I was trying to find a number bigger than a trillion the other day, and, and I, I, don't, I don't think there is one. Anyway, here's the thing. Uh, those aren't the real mind blowers. The real mind blowers are the invisible ones. The ones that, that, that cannot be observed, that cannot be quantified, that science can't touch. Those are the real mind blowers. And it isn't just spiritual beings. Yes, there is a spiritual world out there. There are, there are invisible spiritual beings, some evil, some good, um, some powerful 
uh, all-powerful, actually, compared to us when you get right down to it. There is an invisible world out there, but it's not even that. It isn't just spiritual beings, though they do exist. There are things that we know about, we have names for, and we can see its impact in the world, but we've never seen it. Love? What does it look like? Well, you can tell me what its impact looks like sometimes, but you don't know what it looks like. And, it, and it's such a strange thing what its impact can look like because its impact can look like, you know, a young couple who've just gotten married and now they're, it's legal for them to kiss. It can look like a mother with a newborn baby. It can look like a man tortured beyond recognition hanging on a tree. It can look like a guy getting up on a cold morning and starting his car and going to a job that he doesn't like because he loves somebody that he wants to provide food for. All kinds of things it can look like. But what does it look like? What about grace? We, we, we use that word. In fact, uh, Shane in the gate on Tuesday morning taught about grace, and it was really good. But one of the things that really came out of it is you can't describe it. You really don't know what it is. We feel the impacts of it. When we, when, we, when we understand that His mercies are new every morning, is that grace? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's grace. What does it look like? What does mercy look like? He created all of these. And beyond that, there are invisible wonders that we don't have any name for, that we haven't even heard rumors of that are out there, that, that God has prepared and created and And Jesus is the one who put all those together. And in fact, he is the one who holds all things together, it says here. And and it's not just referring to physics, though I I do believe that that he's he's what holds the physical universe together, quite frankly. I'm sure that most of you have been spending a lot of time lately uh, searching websites for uh, uh, physics articles and... uh, uh, articles on astronomy and, and things like that. Uh, I know I haven't, but I, but I have come across one or two. And one of the things that I've discovered is that they've now decided that there's this dark matter out there somewhere. And, it, and it's what really holds everything together. And the reason why they call it dark matter is because they can't find it. They can't see it. I know what it is. I can't describe to you what it looks like, but I know what it is. It is his powerful word. That holds everything together. But it's not just the, the physical. It's also um, uh, governments, authority, civil, civil order. It's, it's held together by him. You say, well, what's he got to do with that? All authority comes from God. All authority. In fact, the scripture says that there's no, there, is, there is no one in authority that isn't there by his largesse. He, he, allowed, he allowed it to be there. You say, well, you know, some people who've been in authority were, were, were stinkers. Some of them were, were pretty bad. Yeah, that's true. Uh, from where we sit, from where we look, but from where he is, I'm sure 
because of his love for us, that he's always done the best for us we could possibly let him do. We get right down to it. Uh, living in a world without, without civil authority, without order, is a terrible thing. It really is. I, I've got a friend right now who's on the mission field over in Ivory Coast. And it's not a happy place to be. Because they're, they're the country's getting ready to be ripped apart. Well, that's not where you want your family in those particular times. Order, order's a good thing, and, and it comes from him. But it's not just the physical universe. It's not just political entities. Everything holds together. Our relationships hold together. Our very selves, our very lives hold together in him. Our friendships, our marriages, our families... Those who, you know, I've, I've walked with the Lord for a pretty good while now <laughs> and, and have known people who walked with the Lord all of my life because I was born into that. And one thing that I've observed is that people who've genuinely not just, you know, not just got saved, but committed their life to following the Lord, becoming a disciple of his, that as they... The, the further they go and the closer they get to the end of it, I mean, they're still going to look old, okay? One of these days, I'll look old, believe it or not. They're still going to look old, and, and, and things, may still go, may, things may go bad around them. But in here, in here, it doesn't go flying apart. It holds together, and it gets stronger the closer they get to the finish line, quite frankly. In him, all things hold together. He is the head of the church. Let me, uh, uh, let there be no misunderstanding about this. No mere man is the head of, of, of the church. He is, Christ is. And the church is, very, is, is a very real and extremely important entity. To diss the church, to basically go, oh, I don't need the church, you know, is, is essentially to diss Christ. And, and even worse than that, it's to diss his bride. And basically go, <laughs> I mean, you can, you, can, you can look at a guy and go, your body's ugly. And he might be okay with letting you say that, depending on, well, he just might be. But you, you look at him and go, your wife's ugly. You got a problem on your hands. <laughs> he will come after you. The church is a wonderful thing, and it's an important thing, and it's, and it's a needed thing. It has its faults, but you don't just walk away from it and still claim Christ, because Christ is its head. You know, you kind of go, all right, I'll take the head, but I don't want the rest of the body. It doesn't work like that. Guess what comes attached to the head? The body. I was, uh, I don't know, over a year or so ago, I wrote a, a blog that I'd forgotten about, but was reminded of again this week, and I went back and, and read it, and it reminded me, uh, I went, man, that's good. Uh, it was, it was, and, and I, it was about the church, really, is what it was about, but it was, uh, I, I used the analogy of when I was, when I was a kid. Uh, one of the things that my mom used to say all the time was, you going out in the yard and play now. And especially if we had friends over. You got, y'all go out in the yard and play. Now, you know, we didn't have PlayStation 3s or any. We didn't have Pong. We didn't have, we had a black and white television set, okay? 
but we were still just as lazy as kids are today. <laughs> and we enjoyed playing, you know, and, and not doing anything. But moms, I don't know, maybe had a little more backbone then, I guess, or something. And they went, you get out in the yard and play, and I mean right now. And so that's when you go out and you play. And you know what? My favorite memories from childhood are not sitting on the couch and watching the Mickey Mouse Club. My, my favorite memories from childhood are getting out there, man. You know, playing, playing three-man baseball in the yard. I, I, you ever play that, Alan? Yeah, I mean, the guy's got to pop up or he hits forever. You, you know, it's, it's almost like cricket. Uh, and playing, playing uh, 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 backyard football and stuff and throwing the ball against the house and having your dad yell at you and things. And, 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 and even even not sports related stuff. I mean, going down exploring the creek and 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 up on and you know just doing some stuff that I just don't want to talk about right now. Some of y'all, but are still some of my favorite uh, memories when you get right down to it. <laughs> I don't want to give anybody any ideas. Uh, and that's really kind of like the church, because I think God would often say to the church, "Now y'all get on out in the yard now." Y'all get on out there. I got stuff to show you. There's, there's some marvelous things out there. Some people you need to, you need to rub some shoulders with. And there's some things that need to get done out there. But you know what my mom didn't say? My mom didn't say, go on out in the yard now and don't come back. In fact, she'd say, you go on out in the yard now, but you be home for supper. Because this is the base. And the church is that. It is that base. It's where you, it's where you connect. It's where, it's where we come and worship the Lord together. And, I, and I'm, I, am, I am so running out of time. He is the firstborn from among the dead. I don't have time to go into that. Let, let me just say this. Because he's alive. Because he rose from the dead. You don't have to sweat it. Don't worry about it. I, I was going to explain what happens to us after we die. But you'll have to... Listen to the first service to get that. Uh, in everything, it says he has the supremacy. Everything is a mighty word. And when we think about everything and Christ having the supremacy in everything, we have a tendency to think on a macro level. In the church, Christ has the supremacy. In, in government, Christ has the supremacy. In the arts, Christ has the supremacy. And in economics, Christ has the supremacy. And that's true. But can we bring it down a little bit this year and go, okay, in my life, yes. does Christ have the supremacy? And yeah. the, the choices that I make about what I'm going to think about, does Christ have the supremacy? And the choices that I make about how I'm going to use my finances, does Christ have the supremacy in, 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 in my life? The scripture says that he deserves the supremacy in everything. He actually has it. Whether or not we give it to him is another matter. But in him, all of God's fullness dwells. And while everything is a mighty word, fullness is a mighty word as well. God is in creation. Yes, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim his handiwork. You can go in and, and look at creation and you can see God. 
and God is in many philosophies, not all, but he's in many philosophies. He's, he's, he's even in, you know, there are even hints and traces of him in, in some other religions because God has placed eternity in the hearts of every man. But the only place you can find the fullness of God is in Jesus Christ. And coming to know him, dedicating yourself to finding out who he is. It's a, it's, it's a lifelong endeavor. It's an infinite endeavor because the fullness of God dwells there. And then finally, through him, all things are reconciled. Through his blood. Reconciled is a beautiful word. It also implies that we were once at a place that, where we aren't anymore. You, you aren't reconciled to a stranger. You become reconciled to someone you once had a relationship with. And you're brought into reconciliation. Mankind, the creation, the planet, all of it used to be in a relationship with God that it has lost. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, all of it is going to be reconciled. And you go, well, wow, that, that doesn't even sound like you need to, uh, you need to do anything, right? Well, if you're a tree... Right. Or a squirrel. But if you're a person, you've got to accept that reconciliation. In uh, C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, in the last book, The, the Last Battle, he uh, has this situation where some of the dwarfs, bad dwarfs, uh, some of the dwarfs enter into Aslan's land but they don't know they're there. And they, and they think they're in a, a stinky, dingy little shack. And people are walking all around them, kind of going, what's up with those guys? They don't know where they are. And unless we accept that reconciliation, look for Him. Des- desire to know Him. Hey, the world may be reconciled, but we won't know where we are. And as we go through 2011, every day, Michael was, was saying, I want to I have Christ be more of my life every day. Let me, let me put it in this context. Every day, look for that reconciliation. Look for the reconciliation that he has bought with his blood somewhere in your day. Look for it in your home. Look for it in your marriage. Look for it on your job. Look for it at the grocery store. Look for it inside of your own life and the things that are going on in your life, look for Him. Because He has the supremacy in all things. And in all things, He has provided reconciliation with God Almighty. Would you stand with me? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground 
his sinking sand. Those who are going to minister, come forward at this time. And, and let's play that. Let's sing that. Um, and if you're here today, it's a new year. You may be full of hope and optimism. But hope and optimism won't, won't get you through. Christ will get you through. And if you need prayer, you come. This is a, we're just offering a time for people to come and, and uh, touch with another Christian and beseech God. Whether it's, you know, I need to have a baby or whether it's I need a new job or whether it's I need peace, whatever it may be. And if you don't know Christ, we'd like to get you started on that road. We absolutely would. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna sing. We're going to worship for a few moments. We're going to wait on you. You come. Don't weaken 
decide what kind of fun it's going to be otherwise you'll you'll just play video games or something but if you let him decide you'll get out and really have have some memories raise your hand let me give you a blessing may the god and father of our lord and savior jesus christ who sent his son into the world so that we might know him so that we might know him pray that in this coming week in this coming year you would know Him in His fullness. You would know His grace. You would know His mercy. You would know His love. You would know His pleasure in your life. In Jesus' name.